was based on my childhood with low self-worth, low self-esteem and being trained to get, um, get attention from when I did something good that I was attracted to the attention, to the flowers, to the effusive behavior, to the demonstrativeness. And then once I got into the marriage, um, it was almost like that next day, everything changed. Hi, I'm Rachel Green, Brooklyn-based divorce mediator and collaborative attorney. And this is my podcast, Keep the Kids in Mind. Join me as I chat with other industry professionals about everything from smoothly navigating your way through divorce to prenups, all the while keeping the kids in mind. Hello, welcome to Keep the Kids in Mind, the podcast where we talk about families who are in transition in their structure and how to try to help your children come through whole and happy and knowing that they are loved. I am very pleased today to introduce my guest, Beverly Price of Her Empowered Divorce. Um, Beverly has been uh, working very hard for years to um, help people come through their divorce whole and intact and stronger at the end. Beverly, welcome. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's such an honor to be here. Um, why don't we start by learning a little bit more about you and what has brought you to this strange work that we do helping families who are uh, going through difficult transitions? Absolutely. I think most people in the divorce space have been divorced themselves. And that was actually the case with me. However, I took it a step further and had multiple divorces. Um, <laughs> so I have a tremendous amount of experience. In you were that. doing a lot of research. Yes, absolutely. Hit the ground running. And I also experienced a lot of domestic violence during wow. that time and single motherhood, co-parenting, many of the issues that people deal with every day. Mm. And I began working with women and really gravitated to the divorced women because I felt like my story could help them heal. Back when I started coaching 30 years ago, there wasn't really divorce coaching per se. So I had to, and back when I did my own recovery, I had to do it myself. I had to figure out. And so after um, several divorces, I had to get in enough pain that I was willing to do the work on myself to change my outcome. And today I'm happily married in a very healthy relationship without any abuse and am tickled to bring that story to other women and help them on their journey as well. That's really inspiring. I mean, that's Thank amazing you. for you to, you know, make that full circle. Um, so what are some of the, the tools that you use when you're working with people to help them find their own healing and, and move into, you know, having boundaries and having healthier relationships? Well, there's a variety depending on the woman's needs. For example, helping them emotionally or helping them guiding through the legal and financial process, uh, teaching them skills such as communication and negotiation, uh, preparing them for mediation. <clears throat> Some of the tools I use most effectively and with most of the women I work with is an assessment of where they stand emotionally. And we measure that over time to track their progress. Another tool I use is to evaluate their marriage, 
to evaluate their spouse and to evaluate themselves and then compare that to who their ideal partner and ideal marriage would be. Hmm. And in many cases, what we find is what they have is in no way a match to their ideal, that they married for attention, that they married him for his potential, that they married him because they thought they could change him, that they married him for safety rather than married him because he is the perfect match or not perfect, but a good match. Let's say nobody. Good enough. Yeah. As Freud said. And then we start digging into, are they the kind of person that would attract that ideal partner? And that's where we start digging into the self-awareness and the growth of becoming the kind of person their ideal partner would be attracted to. That's kind of extraordinary that you're able to do this work because, um, you know, the problem of abuse, power and control, um, you know, and intimate partner violence is something that goes through generations, you know, and it's very hard to break the cycle. And um, I, I read a book once where they were talking about, you know, it's as if like if we're made up of tapestries, um, there are certain experiences that we've had that are like the glittering ones that attract us to those colors. And it's almost like you find somebody to marry or to join your life with um, who who's, has the same colors glittering on their tapestry. Absolutely. And, you know, and 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 a, a marriage without that drama of the violence and the pain, and then the forgiveness and the high, believing it'll never happen again, and you know, a marriage without that feels black and white. Yeah, with no what, color. What I learned was based on my childhood with low self worth, low self esteem, and being trained to get. Um, get attention from when I did something good, that I was attracted to the attention, to the flowers, to the effusive behavior, to the demonstrativeness. And then once I got into the marriage, um, it was almost like that next day, everything changed because they had me. Yeah. And um, so I went in, in many cases, being attracted to that and thinking that um, they would live up to what I saw as their potential. Mm -hmm. They didn't. Right. But I will tell you, there is a beautiful side to that, a beautiful journey of hope that you can springboard into a stronger, happier, healthier life if you're willing to do the work. And my story has an incredibly happy and unusual ending in the world of domestic violence. And that is 30 years later, after the fact, my ex-husband, an abuser, made amends to me wow. for the violence. And that's almost unheard of yeah. in the world of domestic violence. But I had had to forgive him for myself years and years ago right and when he made amends i told him that i had forgiven him a long time ago and yes but was, you're not carrying that anger and that like exactly that poison yeah. that you're carrying with you you yeah have the only person that hurts is yourself yeah 
I knew a woman once who told her ex-husband after um, eight years of being divorced that he hadn't suffered enough. And that kind of bitterness and anger and resentment eats at you. Yeah. And there's studies that show it actually affects you physically. Right. And two years later, she died from cancer. Mm. And I've always thought there was a connection. connection there. Yeah. I, I remember I was in a conflict with somebody and I was walking down the street. You know, I don't know where I was going. And I was just fuming about it. And and suddenly I, I stopped. And I looked around. I was like, I'm by myself right now. Like, why am I putting myself through this and playing it over and over and over again and feeling this anger? You know, it was like this self-righteous rage. Exactly. And I was going, why am I choosing to feel rage right now while I'm walking down the street on a beautiful day? You know, I could be just enjoying looking around and feeling good being outside and walking, but no, instead I'm going. So that was like a turning point for me. Right. And a lot of times, a lot of anger comes from expectations mm. and the expectation that something would have been different or better. And I always like to say that an expectation is a premeditated resentment oh, because nobody's ever going to live up to it. Yeah. I want to write that down. An expectation <laughs> is a premeditated resentment. I love that. Yeah. So um, what work do divorcing parents have to do to be the best self for them, the best self they can be for themselves and their children? Well, I think, um, number one, learning how to communicate with the partner in a non-threatening, non-aggressive, non-demeaning way or not blaming way. Because if you can communicate in a civil way, you have the chance to co-parent more effectively. If you are hijacked by your emotions, then you can't co-parent effectively. If you're trying to get even, if you're trying to show the children that you're better than the other, it's only going to harm the children. I think a part of that too is learning how to speak positively about the ex-spouse and definitely not negative. And I went to a therapist um, after I got divorced and they said to me that each child gets a piece of their identity from each parent. And she had a client who was married to a man in prison for committing a, a heinous act. And she was advised to find one redeeming quality, no matter how small, and share that with the children because the children get a part of their identity from that person. The other thing um, that I experienced was I, my daughter was in therapy. And we were doing it together. And the therapist called me in alone and uh, said that. And I said, you know, because of multiple marriages, I want to show my children that I can stick with it and it will last. And she said, no, actually what you're showing your children is and your daughter is that because you are tolerating this behavior, 
this violent behavior and this abuse that you are not worthy of anything better. Mm. And by doing that, you're making the statement to your daughter that she's not worthy. And I went home that night and ended that marriage. Wow. Yeah. It was very, yeah. a very powerful moment. Yeah. That so I'm very that, grateful for. Very grateful. Yeah. I mean, that really shows how children's views of themselves are t tied up in who their parents are. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, that's really great. So you were able to try to f be an inspiration to your, your daughter instead of, instead of. I mom. try, I try. Yeah. I must admit that when I look back, there's a whole lot that I wish I had done better. I think I was the best mother I could have been at the right. time. Yeah. But I think because of this quest to find the perfect mate that would make me feel better rather than me learning to depend on myself and my higher power to make me feel better, um, that um, I neglected them emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I've had to make amends to them for that. And I have to, a part of that is trying to be a much better mother than I was because I'm now capable of being a better mother. Right. I think that we're all doing the best that we can. And we're, Absolutely. We, all, we all have scars and, you know, and we all have limits. I, I'm working with a new family now um, that have such a checkered history um, with, you know, both of them are alleging that there's been violence that the other initiated and, um, you know, they're very much in the blame game. And it, at this point, the children are living with their mother and they haven't spoken to their father in a year. Wow. And he is, you know, he's in a lot of pain. I mean, he initially called to ask me to work with them. It's more like a parenting coordination kind of situation. Exactly. No high conflict. And she said, I can't be, I can't be on the, you know, the virtual room with him because he, he questions, she feels like he questions her reality and he makes her feel crazy and he blames her for things. And, and then he feels that she blames him for things. And uh, they're just so locked into that. And I'm trying to get them to shift to thinking about their children who need and want both of them really. And, you know, in a certain way, I think they've, they've had to choose who they're aligned with, who they're, you know, and who's, and their main primary caretaker throughout their life has been their mother and their mm -hmm. father has been sort of in and out. Um, you know, so they're choosing their mother, which is self-preservation if you think about it, because she's the one who's been there taking care of them day to day. They can't right. really choose their father who's, you know, living far away from them. And, um, you know, and yet the father is in a lot of pain and probably the children are because he has no contact with them. So it's a very challenging situation. Yeah, I think in those kind of cases, not only work on yourself, but doing work on strengthening your communication skills and trying to get to the point where your emotions and your history isn't hijacking you are the most valuable things. I 
not too long ago, got certified as a pre-mediation coach. And part of that is to learn how to communicate differently in mediation. And sometimes just taking a statement and turning it into a question makes that other person feel heard. And all of us want to feel heard. And frequently when we get into these situations, because there's attacks, we're kind of shutting down and we don't feel like we're heard. And we're not listening either. Right. That's what I was just going to say. We can't listen. When you feel attacked, you have to defend yourself. And you're just say you feel attacked. You start building your defense. You stopped listening. Yeah. And one of the techniques I use in that is to role play where the partner is in the other's position. So all of a sudden you start to feel what that other partner is feeling and it really increases their awareness. Yeah. I I do that sometimes with couples where I say, please tell, you know, Bill, please tell me what Mary would say about why she wants X, Y, and Z. And then Bill tells me she wants X, Y, and Z. And then I say, Mary, did he get it right? What did he leave out? You know, and then we do it in reverse. Mary, tell me what Bill, what, you know, what he wants and why he wants it. Um, You know, and that can be very powerful. And it can also help people realize that they're not hearing each other. Yeah. <laughs> so and something yeah. something as simple as finding one thing that was good about that parent and complimenting them that. on that can diffuse yeah. that anger dramatically. Right. Right. Like um uh and another um well a child specialist. Uh, Rosalind Saduka. I don't know if you know her website, Child Centered Divorce. So wonderful. So many resources. Um, She said, get caught good mouthing your your co-parent, you know, (laughs) instead of bad mouthing them. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing sometimes when you start to change your frame from they're awful to they have something to offer how much your behavior changes and then in return, how much their behavior changes. Yeah. But it's so hard when you are still scarred from hurt. You know, when you're still, you still have your own like recovery that you're going through. It's very hard to think, Oh, now I'm going to reach across the table and try to find something good to say about this person who hurt me and left me with these scars. You know, it's, it's almost That's like why I think working with a divorce coach is so important yeah. is to do some of that processing and healing before you actually step into mediation yeah. or settlement or litigation or arbitration. Uh, because, again, I think the worst mistake you can make in divorce is to let your emotions hijack you. Mm. And if somehow you've had the opportunity to uh, release some of those emotions and work through them, um, it can make the the process a lot more civil. Yeah. So um, like, what are some of the, um, you know, roadblocks that you see people break through um, after they've, you know, done their pre-mediation work or, 
um, you know, worked with you as a coach and. Well, I think a lot of times, particularly women, and if you if you have heard the statistic that of all women, not just divorced women, 80% don't feel confident. So if you start with that and then you layer divorce over top of it, and maybe you layer some verbal and emotional abuse over top of it, and you have uh, feelings of low self-worth, and low self-esteem, then we have to do a lot of work to shift that. And so whether it's you're scared, whether it's you feel weak, whether you're feel fearful, we have to process that. And I've had two women that I've had the privilege of working with that I can actually see the change happen in them. I can see their shoulders relax. I can see their face brighten, their smiles come up. And it truly feels like a miracle when they came into me sobbing, full of rage, playing the victim, all of those things to someone that could stand on their own two feet and was a little bit stronger. Yeah. But I don't want anyone to think that it's kind of just a light switch recovery that you flip a switch and everything's better. It takes a lot of hard work to get there, um, but it's beautiful on the other side when you see it happen. Yeah, yeah, I've seen people go through that kind of transformation as well, like just feeling so, you know, sideswiped by the divorce and feeling terrified of their futures, and um, you know, and then see them a couple of years later. And they've really gone through this process of finding their own strength and empowerment. I mean, empowered yeah. divorce, just like your 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 website says. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they're just transformed. You know, they've found themselves, and they just look like a different person. It's um, yeah. it's a wonderful thing to see people go through that journey. Yeah, I try and help them separate rational fear from irrational fear. The rational fear is, you know, fear of safety, fear of homelessness, you know, well, not necessarily that. Fear of safety is a big one. And so the irrational fear might be, if I don't get to stay in the marital home, I'm going to be homeless. If I don't stay in the marital home, my children are going to be messed up. When in fact, you can reposition it that you can find a new place, make a new home, a fresh start with everything designed the way you want it to, to leap into that better future. When you release some of those irrational fears, um, so fear is like a spectrum where there's intense, rational fear. And on the other end is irrational fear. And what we want to do is come to the middle in a sense, but not forget that if we're in danger, fear is valid, you know? So I think right. there's a big difference. Right, right. That's, that's a great distinction because, you know, you don't want to, tell anybody that their fear is not valid unless you really know that exactly. it's not valid because there are people who are not safe. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am a big, big... Um, the same okay. character in Chinese is crisis and opportunity. 
Ah. And it's the same character. So. And I'm a big proponent of safety. And in every podcast I do in the show notes, I'm always including the domestic violence hotline. Yeah. I'm always cautioning women to not leave before working with a domestic violence professional and having a safety plan. Right. Because there are so many women that are murdered at that point in time that with a safety plan, you have um, a much better chance of surviving and becoming whole. Yeah. 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 Joshua, let's make a note to put the domestic violence hotline in the show notes. Um, well, that's, you know, it's amazing work that you're doing, really helping people transform. Well, thank you. That will help them keep their kids in mind as they're going through these transitions. Um, I mean, I had somebody who came in and said, um, is there a way that we can have this divorce just, you know, not impact our son at all? I <laughs> he'll, he'll just feel like normal. He's going along and everything's still normal. And I said, no, <laughs> you know, this is going to be a turning point in his life and he's going to think back on his childhood and there'll be a before and after. I mean, the kid was about seven, you know, old enough to remember but I said, is, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be able to have a happy life with full relationships? Yes. You know, if you, if you tell him that both of you are still going to love him, you're always going to be his two parents and he didn't do anything that caused the divorce. And, um, you know, children often blame themselves and, and that probably leads to the 80% of women saying they have low self-esteem. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's all connected. That's an extraordinary statistic, by the way. I mean, yes. do you think that's very sad? Society, misogynistic society that tells us all we're the wrong size and the wrong shape. And, you know, so whatever we do, it's not good enough. DNA, yeah, it seems like it. Right. I wonder why we won down ourselves like that. We women. We've been conditioned to. Yeah. We need to break that chain. Yeah, I think we do. Well, Beverly, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. I really appreciate your time. And um, people can learn more about you at herempoweredivorce.com. And uh, I also I, have a free ebook. Guys, that's what I was just going to ask you about. <laughs> Tell us about your free ebook, and we can get it on your website. Yes, absolutely. It's all about why use a divorce coach. And it goes into what, what you can get out of working with a divorce coach. And you can go to herempowereddivorce.com. And I'll also uh, put the link in the show notes for you. Wonderful. And I will, uh, I'll give that information to about 12 clients this week. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Beverly, for your time. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Pleasure meeting you and having a chance to talk to you about our fascinating work. I totally agree. And thank you again for having me.